Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, if you're a guest with us, my name is Dominic, and so glad that uh, you joined us this morning to worship Jesus online. Um, today, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, you know, last week we had Silence and Solitude Sunday, and I hope people got engaged that spend that Lord and that time. But I'm grateful to be back together as a family today. And like I said, I'm excited because this morning uh, we have a guest speaker with us. Um, one of the things that I've been working on personally in this journey uh, of just learning and growing in awareness about racial reconciliation and engaging uh, my heart and mind in the gospel and in what it looks like for me to be a kingdom advocate, as we've been talking about the last month. Um, one of the things I've been really felt God calling me to do is be really intentional with deepening and even building new relationships with uh, people of color and in particular people in the black community and in particular brothers and sisters in Christ within the black community uh, to hear about their experience, how they are seeing and experiencing life right now, how this is impacting them, the things going on in our world. Um, and even just to hear and understand more fully uh, the intersection of, again, our day and our time and God's word. And so, yeah, our heart as we've been uh, going through um, the book of Philemon and going through this series called Kingdom Advocates has really been that for us to grow. And what does it look like for us to know how to be advocates for those uh, who are experiencing hurt and pain and oppression and injustice, not just with matters of racial reconciliation, but in other matters as well. One of the things we've talked about is that we all need advocates in so many areas of life, but in particular, we wanted to talk about the things going on in, in the world right now. And so um, I'm stoked this morning because uh, I, I was introduced um, to, to a friend, a gal named Annette, Annette Coutino. Um, Cal Sue introduced me to her a couple months ago, and we've had a chance just to talk and connect online and uh, share part of each other's stories and, and just about our faith communities. And Annette is an associate pastor uh, at a church called Harvest Fields Community Church in the Bronx, New York. Uh, she also is the director of uh, what's called the Advanced Leadership Initiative, which is part of Lead New York. If you ever heard of Movement Day or, or Movement Day New York, um, Lead New York uh, is part of an arm of, of Movement Day. And so Tim Keller and a lot of other people in New York City are part of that movement. But Annette is the director of the Advanced Leadership Intensive. And what she does, what they do is they offer faith-based leadership training uh, for Christians that are engaged in high-level leadership positions in the social sector all throughout New York City. And so um, Annette, Annette is a faithful follower of Jesus. She's uh, a friend. She's a pastor. Uh, she's doing some awesome work in New York City with her organization. And so I've asked her to come and speak to us this morning. And so um, maybe I'll just, I'll just do it this way. I'll say live from New York, I welcome my friend, Annette Coutinho. Dominic, thank you so much. Um, coming from living in New York my whole life, I grew up watching Saturday Night Live, and I always wanted someone to say that for me. So thank you. I really appreciate you so much. Um, I feel like a rock star actually right now. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you so much. Um, it's been an incredible journey meeting Dominic. Thank you for this invitation. I am so grateful to be with you. Now, just give me a clue if my Wi-Fi is, is acting up and I'm lagging at all. Okay, okay, excellent. Um, I, my life seems like a one big Zoom call most of the time. So thanks for the heads up if I'm, if I'm lagging. Um, thank you so much, Dominic, for inviting me um, to be with you all. I've been praying for you. I've been seeking the Lord for you. 
Um, I really appreciate your heart, Dominic, as a pastor, as a shepherd. Um, I'm really happy to get to know you more. I'm, I'm considering you a friend. Um, um, our last call, I met your son, Otis. He is adorable. Everybody has to love Otis. Otis is going to seal everyone's heart. He stole mine. Um, if I, when I meet your other son, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's probably gonna, they're both probably going to steal my heart. Um, um, I'm a friends with Kalsu. Kalsu knows my oldest daughter, Adrena. They lived in Bangkok on the mission field. They were missionaries in Bangkok together. Kalsu um, talked my daughter off a cliff several times. Um, she's smiling. She's laughing. She will recall certain times where she had to talk Adrena off a cliff. But um, I prayed for you all when you were in Bangkok. Grateful for your work there. It's a privilege for me to be with you. I'm not going to take too much time, but for the leadership, um, everyone who's making this Zoom experience possible, I want to just thank you for your service in the kingdom. It's so important what you're doing right now, making sure that the body of Christ remains connected in this season where we can't physically gather. Um, and so just thank you for all that you're doing and your commitment to continue to gather together as the body of Christ to encourage and, and, and lift up each other. And so I'm gonna just say a word of prayer and I'm gonna to get to it. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Missio Portland. Thank you for Pastor Dominic and every leader that leads alongside him and every person that you called him to shepherd in this season. Lord, we thank you for this moment, for this moment in time that you've called us into your kingdom. We thank you that we get to hear your word in this moment. Father, we pray that you would um, prepare our hearts to receive your word. It's your word that's life. We need your word more than we need food. And so in this moment, we turn our hearts and our attention to your word. Seek, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I have this question for you, and it's a question that has been on my heart since I would say about Dominic, Dominic invited me to speak. The Lord immediately began to speak this word to me for you. And he, he intends for us to be challenged by this question. Will the end time church, will the end time church please stand up? Um, we, we know as believers, as followers of Jesus, that um, the end time actually began. Um, the last days actually began when Jesus ascended to heaven. That's when the last days uh, started. And Jesus, when he was here, he talked to us about what the end time would look like. He talked about the signs of the end time. And if if anyone is present at all in the time that we're in, you can see from the scriptures, see Matthew 4, 25, living out in front of us. We are literally seeing wars and rumors of wars, the love of man waxing cold. We are literally seeing the end, the signs of the end times. And Jesus said in that moment, he said, when you see these signs, just know it's not the end, it's the beginning of the end. And so we are alive at that time where we're seeing the beginning signs of the end. And so my, my youngest daughter says, she doesn't like when I talk like that. She's like, hey mom, I haven't been married. I don't have any children yet. You know, I haven't even started my career. Do you have to talk about the end time? But the reality is I do. 
we all have to recognize that we are alive at this time and that's by design. God does everything with intention. He's a God of intention. He does everything with purpose. There isn't anything that he does that doesn't have a purpose built into it already. So even the time and the seasons, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that every moment, every season under heaven has a purpose. And so we learn that we get born into a time. Uh, Paul is defending the, the God, the unknown God in in the, in the book of Acts, and he's saying, you were born, people were born specifically in a geographical location. God was intentional about even the time that you were born. So we have to understand we are born in this time for a purpose. There is a reason why I am a 56-year-old African-American woman who lives in the Bronx in this moment. And I have to live my life with that intention and with that purpose in mind. Um, it's easy for me. I, I, I say that I have about three jobs. I have about three jobs. And it's easy for me to get weighed down with the responsibilities of my life. And I could really get weighed down with the responsibilities of work because I have a tendency to be a workaholic anyway. I'm kind of a bit of an overachiever. I'm sure there are some of you who can relate to what I'm saying. Um, I'm a bit of an overachiever, so I can work hard. But then I work in ministry. I work for the kingdom. So I can really get weighed down with what I'm doing is for the kingdom. But if I forget my purpose, if I forget the reason why I was placed in the earth, if I put anything above that, my children, my family, the, the profession, the vocation I've been called to, if I put anything before the purpose that I was born in this moment, I am actually going to miss the reason why God called me here at this time. And I don't want to miss that moment. So when God started to ask me, when he started to say to me, will the end time church please stand up? I needed to press in and find out what, what, what exactly does that mean? Lord, you said no one would know the day or the hour. So I'm not professing that I know the day or the hour, but he wanted me to be um, uh, alerted to something. And it started around COVID. I'm going to do this really quickly. It started around COVID. I was watching Governor Cuomo's briefings. I don't know how you feel about Governor Cuomo. Everyone loves him all of a sudden, you know, whatever. I'm not making a political statement. But when COVID started, I was listening for his briefing every single day. It was like I needed to know what was going on. And the thing that I noticed was the church wasn't present. He would have people with him in his briefings, but there wasn't anyone from the church that was present. I know the church leaders in New York City, very influential um, church leaders with thousands of members in their church, people who are uh, 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 active in their community. And I'm thinking, where is the church? The same thing happened when um, I witnessed the murder of George Floyd. I was starting to say, where is the church? Where is the church? Where is the church? I'm seeing lots of people say things. I'm hearing lots of, of different opinions about what's happening, but where's the body of Christ? And it was in those moments that God reminded me of the book of Esther. And in those moments, he reminds me of the book of Esther because it appeared as though God was not present in the book of Esther. I don't know if you are familiar with the book of Esther, but Esther is a book in the Old Testament. And God's name is never mentioned in the book, but his hand and his providential purpose and hand is all throughout the book. 
but his name is never mentioned. And so on the surface in the book of Esther, it looks like God isn't present. And in that season, the beginning of the season, about six months ago, I was asking, where's the church? Now, listen, I wasn't asking, where's God? Because I know where God is. We know where God is. God is ruling from heaven. God is seated on his throne. I know where God is. I know where Jesus is. I know his spirit lives in me. I know where we, I know where the Godhead is. I was asking, where's the church? Where, is, where are the people of God? In the midst of a pandemic, where are the people of God? Are we consulting the church? The church has to have God's heart and mind in this moment. In, in, in the midst of racial unrest, as uncomfortable as that may be for some people, God has something to say about the racial unrest and the racial injustice in the world. He is the God of justice. He loves justice. He has something to say. So I wasn't wondering where was God. I was wondering, where are the people of God? And when he reminded me of the book of Esther, that he, his hand was upon his people and he had purpose people, even though it did not seem like he did, or you were wondering where's the church, or some people even right now as the church where unrest, where the racial unrest is concerned, some people are afraid to even say anything because you don't know what to say. You're afraid you may offend someone or you may lose some friends. So you're wondering, I don't know even what to say. God has something to say and we are his people. And so in the book of Esther, we can see a picture of what does God expect from the end time church? Because Esther, if you look at it, and I want you to just go read it and study it, it really looks like a prophetic picture of the church. It looks like her life looks like a deliverer, someone who God uses as an advocate when there is a plot or there's evil against his people. If you really look closely at the total book of Esther and her life, it is really a prophetic picture of the church and the position and the posture that the church should take in the end time when there are plots and there's evil and we see it in front of us where, where darkness is growing by the, by the every single day, you can look and see, wait a minute, Esther is, this looks like uh, the posture that she took looks like the posture that the church should be taking right now in this moment. So I want to do this as quickly as I can. You might have read the book of Esther. Esther um, comes to us at a time where the children of God are in exile. Um, there's a king, there's a queen. The king calls for the queen, Vashti. She doesn't come. He decides, I don't want her to be queen anymore. I'm going to have, I'm going to look for a new queen. Now, Esther, in this moment, is an orphan. She's an orphan. She's living in exile. She's being raised by her uncle Mordecai, or Mordecai. You say Mordecai, I say Mordecai. Um, she is actually, if you look at The Bachelor, anyone watch The Bachelor? She's going to become one of these women that gets lined up for the king to pick. The Bachelor is probably a pretty picture of it. It's probably a PG version of what was happening in that moment. So I'll use the bachelor because we have children with us, but she's going to be 
she becomes one of these women that is going to be possibly chosen to be queen. What makes her that person? What makes her eligible to be in this number of women that could possibly be queen? Well, she was prepared for that assignment. Her whole life was preparation for that assignment. Even the negative, the negativity, and you can you see this in Esther chapter two, verses five through seven. Um, it says there, I'll read it quickly. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. So they're exiles. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. She's an orphan. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So she is an orphan. She is in exile. What prepares her for this is those negative experiences in her life. She, believe it or not, and you need to see this for your own life, Miss Yo, everything about your life has prepared you for the moment that you live in right now. Everything, even the negative things, even those things that don't appear um, to have been positive. She was an orphan. She was an exile. What does that make her? That makes her sensitive to the plight of others who have been looked down upon. That makes her sensitive to the plight of the marginalized. She can be empathetic in this moment because of her experience. So I want to encourage you. You may feel like you're not equipped for this moment in time, but you are. You, if you look through your life, if you travel through your life with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will see places in your life where God has prepared you for this very moment. Even if you think, well, I you know, identify the of African American people. I'm I'm rich. I'm I'm not black. There's something in your life where God has prepared your heart, where God has softened your heart to the plight of the marginalized. He has. And sometimes you think that you're not prepared. And I'm sure Esther felt like, well, what am I? Who am I to be considered to be queen? What is there about me? I'm sure she disqualified herself. But she went through a process of preparation. And in that process of preparation, she gets to see that she actually is prepared. Now, I just want to give you an example. I'm going to do this quickly. Um, David's life. David, the king, King David, he kills as, as the shepherd of his father's sheep. He kills a lion. He kills a bear on the backside of the desert. And secret quiet kills a lion and a bear over a lion and a bear. What does that do? That prepares him for that moment when he's standing on a battlefield with Goliath. He looks crazy. I'm running from the lion and the bear. I'm not getting on the field when there's a giant. I, I'm not doing it. But David understands there's something in his history with God. Missio, you have to understand this. There's something in your history with God that has prepared you for this moment. And so David understands God gave me victory over a lion, over a bear. He's surely going to give me victory over this Philistine, over this giant. 
So he's prepared for that moment. Even in my own life, I have been prepared for the moment that we're living in. When George Floyd died, I got so many phone calls from my white brothers and sisters in Christ and from white friends. What did I think? How did I feel? What should they think? What should they feel? What should they do? I have been prepared for this moment. I grew up in the Bronx in a time when, at the, when I was in the first grade. I was bused from the Bronx to Queens from a predominantly black and brown neighborhood in the South Bronx to Flushing, Queens. It was completely all white, 99.9% white. I'm on a school bus, there's about 20 of us. I'm about seven years old and I'm getting, I'm taking a, a, a eight mile bus trip every day into a predominantly white community. Total different culture. I know nothing about this. I was, I remember vividly thinking, wow, there are tree-lined streets. Oh my goodness, wow. This neighborhood looks so bright. My neighborhood just doesn't look like this. Wow, the school that I came from, the library was just really small. Do you guys remember Belle seeing the library in her little town and then the beast shows her his huge library? That's the moment that I had. I was like, wow, school libraries actually are filled with books. I had that experience. I became friends with people who were different than me. What it did for me, how it prepared me was it made me comfortable for that moment. It made me comfortable for this moment to have difficult conversations with people who are different than me. I learned this from the age of seven. I experienced racism, prejudice, bigotry. I experienced it individually. I experienced it systemically. So I was prepared for the moment when my white brothers and sisters would be saying, is this, is there really a systemic problem? Is there really, is it really, what is systemic racism? I have been prepared for that moment. You have been prepared for this moment. Esther is prepared for this moment. Everything about her history prepared her for the moment. She goes through a season of preparation and Missy, I want to, I want to encourage you. You, you probably have gone through or you're in a season of preparation. She gets taken into this place where she gets six months where this, she gets a 12 month spa treatment is what I, the way I like to look at it. Like who wouldn't like that? Like 12 months at the spa. I would definitely sign up for that. 12 months. It says in Esther chapter two, verse 12, each woman's turn came to go into the king after she had completed 12 months of preparation Here's the 12 months of preparation, six months with oil of myrrh, six months with perfumes and preparation um, for beautifying women. Esther chapter two, verse 12. So what does this tell us? The oil of myrrh, myrrh is an ingredient, a substance that was used for anointing. It was used for, um, it was also used in preparing bodies for death. What is happening? She's being prepared. Her skin, which could possibly have been wonderful, but now oil of myrrh is being scrubbed into her skin. It's becoming supple. It's becoming pliable. And this is the season of preparation that I believe God has us in, in this end time. This is the how he's preparing his church. He is creating the ability for our hearts to be softened. Areas where our hearts have might have been hard, God is using this season of questioning, of unrest, of not 
uh, being sure of what actually is happening, not even being certain of my position, what I should say. God is using this moment to do something in my heart, to soften my heart. He's actually, there's some things that I'm dying to in this season. And, and Miss Yo, you have to pay attention to this. There are some things that we're dying to in this season. Mindsets, beliefs, worldview, um, things that have infected the church. And when I say the church, I mean the body of Christ at large. Uh, the culture, how the culture has infected us and caused us to believe certain things or see things a certain way. We have to recognize this is a season where God is purifying us. The oil of myrrh was a season where God was purifying us. And, and you are being purified. The body of Christ, look at it worldwide, worldwide. It's being purified right now. What we believe, what we stand for, um, do we look like Christ? Do we look like Christ? Or are we more aligned? And I'm going to say this. I may never get invited back. I, I, I love you. But are we more aligned with the political party than we are with the kingdom of God? The church is being purified right now. My allegiance has to be to the kingdom of God. I'm a citizen of kingdom. I'm a of my home. So my allegiance, what I'm willing to die for, has to be to the king, has to be to the kingdom. The church right now is being purified. And that's what was happening to Esther. She was in a season of being purified. Then there was the season of the perfumes. What is that about? Well, when, when in, the, in the scripture says that we are either a sweet smelling savor in the nostril of God, or we don't smell pretty good. Or we come before God and we don't smell pretty good. The, the thing that makes us a sweet smelling savor is when we are a sacrifice, when we're willing to be living sacrifices. And this is how God prepares us for this assignment. He creates, he, he opens our heart to the ability to become a sacrifice. In this moment that we live in right now, we're going to have to sacrifice some things. I had to sacrifice my time with my white brothers and sisters. I spent hours on the phone with them. I spent literally hours. I was exhausted. There were days when I was literally exhausted. But the Holy Spirit had told me already, who, how will they know if you don't tell them? How will they know if you don't have a conversation with them? You can't get tired. And so I had to sacrifice my time, my energy. I had to sacrifice my own opinion just to listen to someone else's opinion and experience. And so God is calling us in the season to sacrifice. So I want to encourage you. You've been prepared for this moment. You've been prepared for this assignment. You're going to look through your life with the help of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to show you the places in your life where He's prepared you for this moment. Esther becomes the queen. In Esther chapter 2, verse 17, it says, The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Esther is now queen. Esther is now positioned in proximity to the king. In the middle of a crisis that's brewing, there's a crisis brewing, there's a plot to kill the people of God that her uncle Mordecai finds out about. But Esther's in the palace, far away, living it up, right? She's far from the trouble. But she, in this moment of a crisis, she gets positioned for action. She gets positioned for 
action. I want you to just take a moment and think about where has God given you a voice? Where has God given you influence? Where has God positioned you? In these moments, sometimes we think that it's for us to do it all, to run out and change the whole world. No, God has given you a sphere of influence. He's positioned you specifically in a place where you are able to take action. He's not calling any of us to do it all. We're a body. Every joint supplies. So what I have to do is find out where has he positioned me, where I can take action. And I'm, I have to do my part. I have to be the best at the part that he's given me. He's positioned Esther action. There's a book and a movie, you probably have all heard of it, uh, Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson's story. Um, he, he's a lawyer and he makes this statement. He says there's power in proximity. Listen to this quote. Um, Brian Mercy is the, the, the author of the book, Just Mercy, and it's about, it's his story and you can see the movie. He says there's power in proximity. Get close to people and communities who are at risk and stay close. This always ministers to me. We do not have to have the answers. Instead, we have to wanna get close. From far away, we cannot create, we can't create meaningful solutions or hear the nuances and the perspectives of people who we wanna collaborate with and advocate for. We can't do that from far away. When we step into the places where there is despair and neglect and abuse, that's where we're informed. That's where we're energized. That's where we feel the empathy, the empathy that drives us to change the world. There's power in proximity. The power that Esther has right now, she's not close to the problem. She's close to the solution. That's us. We're positioned for action. Esther has to open her eyes to the problem that exists. She has to open her eyes. She has to be made aware of the, the plot against her people. She's aware of her. So she has to be willing to listen. This is a season where you have to be willing to listen. You can't come with the solutions immediately. You have to come with an empathetic listening ear. So Esther gets put into a position, not just to, 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 to listen or to learn about the problem. She gets put in a position to actually be able to solve the problem, but it's going to cost her something. So she's positioned for action. Where are you positioned right now to act? Where are you positioned right now to take action? Where are there places where you need to learn, where you need to lean in, where you need to get close so you can actually... Um, Develop this empathetic heart where you can actually find out what's going on in somebody else's life. What is someone else's experience like? I love the fact that it gets a share story. story. I would, from afar, I would think his life is great. I would think he's had a wonderful experience. And that would be the same thing for most people. Or you may look at me and think I've had a certain experience. But it's when we get close. It's when we, we say we are going to risk everything to be close to those who are being marginalized or those who are in despair and those who are in need it's when we get close that we get to actually see the truth 
of what's happening. And then God can energize us and inform us and he can show us where we actually have the have been put into that position to take action. So you can't address what you will not acknowledge. You know this. You have to acknowledge there's a problem before you can address it, right? You can't change what you won't touch. And some of you, I know you're feeling um, compelled to do something with everything that's happening in our world right now. I know that there are some of you who you can't sleep. I've felt it. I've, I've, I've felt it as I've prayed for you. Some of you really want to know what to do. Guess what? You won't be able to change anything if you won't get close. You won't be able to heal anyone unless you get close to them and find out where they're hurting. So I want to say this to you, Missio, as I come to my first closing. Seize the day. Seize the moment. You were born not in a moment. You were born for a moment. We were not born in a moment in time. We are born for a moment. And you are here on the planet. You're in the kingdom for such a time as this. There isn't any accident that you are a follower of Jesus today. There isn't any accident that you are in the church that you're in, that you're a part of the community that you're in today. There isn't an accident that you live where you live. It isn't an accident that you were born into the ethnic group that you're in. It's not an accident. It's by design. You are shaped to bring forth a solution. That's who lives in us. The answer to everything is the one who lives on the inside of us. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, is the answer to everything. And he abides in us by his spirit. So we have to get close. We have to recognize that we've been prepared for this assignment. We've been prepared. If we aren't prepared, we need to get prepared. Right? We need to get prepared for the assignment that God's given us. And we have to recognize that we've been positioned to take action. Why? Because the one who is the solution to everything lives on the inside of us. You have the answer. Listen, I did not tell people, my, my white brothers and sisters, my white friends, I didn't give them my opinion about the situation and circumstances that we're seeing play out in, in the world today. I'm not giving them my opinion. If they ask how, what I think, I'll share. But I'm an advocate for the king. I, I represent him. I need to remind my brothers and sisters who we are in Christ. Why we have the answer. Why God has equipped us and empowered us to bring forth solutions. So Esther has a moment. She's come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Her uncle says to her, you have to do something about this plot. You cannot sit idly in comfort and not do something about a plot to wipe out all of our people. You can't sit silently. You cannot sit in comfort. Mordecai says, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. If you sit quiet, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Missio, listen. You were born for this moment. You were born for a purpose. God is going to bring deliverance to the, to the problems of the world. But what's going to happen to you? 
What is going to happen to you? Are you going to miss your purpose? Are you going to, at the end, when you give an account to God for your life, are you going to be, is he going to say, where, I, where are the hundreds of souls that you were supposed to save? And you're going to say, no, wait a minute. I was busy running my company. or I was busy working. or I was busy. No. When, when you have to give an account for the reason why he sent you, will you miss your purpose will you miss the reason why god brought you so we we want we want to be we want to live on purpose we want to be like esther we don't want to miss the moment that we were born for so i want to encourage you to seize this moment and esther in this moment has to make a decision she has to sacrifice her life she literally has to go into the king and she says, I can't go to the king unless he invites me, unless he extends his scepter. I could actually die if I go into the king. She's putting everything that she has on the line. Listen, Miss Yo, you may have to put your reputation on the line. You may have to put your comfort on the line. You may lose some friends. But you need to understand you've been positioned to act. If you don't act, God Else, but what is going to happen to you? Will you miss your moment? Esther does what every other good advocate does. She invites her friends to pray with her. For people, all of her people, she says, me and my maids are going to fast and pray. Get everyone to fast and pray. And it's for this purpose. So she can go into the king and receive favor with the king. I'm going to wrap up right now. Now what happened on that third day that Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight, and he held out the golden scepter that was in his hand, and Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king says to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. In this picture, we see the king extending the royal scepter to Esther. And in reality, the royal scepter has been extended to us. The Bible says that the king has a scepter of righteousness, that our king has a scepter of righteousness, that he's extended to us because of Jesus. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. So God has extended his righteousness to us. We have been given favor with the king. And the king says, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want up to half the kingdom. We are in partnership with the king. You have to understand this. He says this to her, not because he doesn't think she can rule the whole kingdom, not because he's a selfish king where he wants to keep half of the kingdom for herself, and he's only willing to give her half. He extends half to her because he wants to rule in partnership with her. God wants to partner with us. We are partners with God. The Bible says, Paul says, we are co-laborers with Christ. And Missio, you've been prepared for the assignment. You've been positioned for action, but you understand this. You are partnered with the king. The king of the universe 
is our partner. The one who is sovereign, the ruler, the Lord of all, the savior of the whole world is our partner. We get to partner with him. It's not our will, it's his will. It's not by my might, it's by his might. It's not by my spirit, it's by his spirit. We have been partnered with the king. And so the assignment may seem very challenging in this moment. It may appear as though it's impossible. I'm sure for Jesus coming to the earth to give his life for us, it seemed impossible. The sin of the whole world, how is this going to happen? Well, he laid his life down. He lived a life first without sin. He laid his life down. And his sacrifice was acceptable for all of us today to be sons and daughters of the king. You have been partnered with the king. The king has empowered you. He's given you his access. He's given you his influence to make a difference, to change the trajectory of people's lives today. And so I just want to ask you, as the end time church, will, will you please stand up? Accept the assignment. Don't shy away. Don't be afraid. You've been prepared, you've been positioned, and you've been partnered to make a difference in the lives of people today. Missio, I just want to pray for you in this moment, that you would not shy away from this moment, that you would step up, that you would answer the call. And so pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you. I thank you for Missio. Thank you for Pastor Dominic, thank you for the assignment that you have given to them in this moment. I thank you that you are going to use them to make a difference today. People's lives are going to be changed because of them, individually and corporately. Thank you, Father, that you are breaking up the fallow ground in their heart, that your word is taking root in them, that you are speaking specifically to each of them by your spirit. You're showing them clearly what you've called each of them to. And Father, I pray that you would just encourage them. Because we do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We bless you and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.